Hey, I'm Spencer Powell and welcome to Remodeler Stories, where we highlight remodelers. Every remodeler has a unique story and journey and we can all learn from each other. Stay tuned for a mix of inspiration, tactical tips, unique strategies, and some laughter. The remodeling business is tough, but rewarding, and we're all in this together. Let's kick this thing off. Before we get into today's show, let's talk about our show sponsor, Remodeler Growth Community. Remodeler Growth Community is a peer-to-peer networking group exclusively for remodelers. For a low monthly fee, you get access to some of the best minds in the industry, life-changing business strategies, and the ability to connect and learn from people who've walked the path you walk. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back, so there's absolutely no risk to you. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. Today, I sit down with Eric Dilly of Loric Homes and Interiors. And in today's conversation, we go back in time and go through 27 years that Eric has been in the construction industry, multiple facets, multiple angles, lots of different phases of construction, anywhere from home building to remodeling to commercial and everything in between. And I really enjoyed this conversation with Eric. And we got it all the way up to current where he has focused on more the home remodeling side and the design side as well. So without further ado, now for my conversation with Eric Dilly. Hey, Eric, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited for today. But I guess just to to kick us off, maybe give everyone a quick snapshot. Who are you? What's the company? Where are you located? Okay, Eric Dilly with Loric Homes and Interiors, also uh, Loric uh, Homes Design and Realty, and kind of to kind of had to break them apart. My wife is on the other side; she does all the interior design work, and she does staging, and she's a master painter, so that's what she does for our side. And then for me, we're located off of Dublin and Academy. I think I've had this business open since 2015, but I mean, previous to that, I had another company before the the last downturn. I had kind of a wild career; I've been doing this since '96. Right on, right on. Yeah, we were just chatting before how we're both in Colorado Springs and didn't didn't know it till we hit record here. But it's crazy, uh, huh? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I guess so. Well, let's go back back to the beginning. I feel like there's going to be a few stories here with the different businesses and everything. But sure, like, sure. How, how'd you get into construction? Okay, long. Well, <laughs> okay, back. I'll start at the very beginning because that's kind of where I went in the Marines in 1990 and I got out in 1996. So. I did like six years of that stuff and I got out and I only had one skill set was to kill people for a living. I either wanted to go in the law, either law enforcement or, or being a hitman because I was, <laughs> so I was like, no, no, I don't think I want to do any of those. My uncle had a construction company in North Central Arkansas and he's been a custom builder and don't do it in a GC pretty much all his life. And my dad was in underground utilities. So I kind of was grown up around, and my dad is one of those old school dudes that can like do anything, you know, yep. like change oil, like hang drywall wire sheets. I mean, you know, I got crazy, you know, like old, old school stuff. So the funny part is, is I like learned nothing from my own. <laughs> I take that back. I learned a lot from my dad, but I was never like super handy per se. Mm-hmm. So I kind of learned the other side of the house, which when I went to my uncle after I got out of the Marines, he brought me into the office and he said, here's a book on estimating, like learn how to estimate. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I didn't know the difference between a, a, like a, a 10 penny nail versus a 16 penny nail. I mean, I, I knew nothing except, you know, cause I just gotten out of Marines and stuff. So, I mean, I knew enough to like, you know, move lumber around and stuff like that, but I didn't know a lot, but I mean, I was like, wow, this is really cool. I mean, I found, and I kind of got a passion for it. And, and the first project I was on was a 750,000. And this was back in the day, 1996, 
and Northland, Arkansas, on the on I believe it was on the Norfolk River or not on the river, it was on the lake. But it was on log. It was this house actually made the cover of Log Home Living. Hmm. Wow. So, way back in then, so I was working on some really cool stuff. You know, so a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar house back in the day would have been probably you know like one five here in, in Colorado. So it was a big house. It was like hell. It was like six thousand square feet. And it was a kit. It was a kit. So that's kind of how I got my first uh, start in construction. And then I, I started learning through my uncle. I mean, he, he after after he figured out that I wasn't really a good estimator, <laughs> he kicked me out to the field and he like basically told me to tag along with the carpenters for a while and like learn their stuff. And then finally, I started kind of catching on on the sequence because I started reading books and whatnot. And, I started really learning the, the actual project management sequence. And I, after about a year, I, I barked my way back into the office. And then working for family was a bitch. <laughs> it was not easy. My uncle, my old man was, or my, my uncle was just a, it was like being potty trained at gunpoint with him. It was like <laughs> horrible. So after about three years of like, of like soul crushing experience with this, but I loved the business. I was like, I can't work for my uncle. So I, I, I pitched an idea to the local architect and he had a company, he started a company called Shiloh Premier Homes. And I kind of ran that for about a year. And this, and this is another kind of crazy story. I built an actual, just to give you a, a I'm going to give a snapshot forward for your people. It's like, I've been doing this 27 years. So I built like, and I, and I in my further on in my career, I've worked for the nationals and whatnot. So I built close to 1800 single family residents, probably 700 and some, I lost count somewhere on remodeling projects, additions, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, God only knows. I mean, I did multifamily. I built dog. I mean, I can build anything from dog houses to a to multifamily is what I say. And I say, <laughs> I always tell, because I've worked in the high-end arena in the last several years. It's like, if the Egyptian could build pyramids, I can build it. It just takes time and money. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth behind it. <laughs> so going back down there, I, I stayed there. And then I worked for him for about, I don't know, about a year and a half. And then in 1999, I went to the Builder International Builder Home Show in Dallas. And I saw these idiots coming out of construction management school making bank. And I was like, all right, I got to go do that. I loathe humidity. And that's a, lo- a story for another day. But I'm like, I can't stand it here. I hate, I mean, North Central Arkansas, coming from Cali was just kind of a different speed. <laughs> and yep. I'm not a real big fan of chiggers or snakes or anything. I mean, terrible things like that. So I'm like, I got to go. So I put my resume out and I had, believe it or not, at that time, it was the boom, the first boom. I had multiple offers. So they flew me all over the damn country, believe it or not. I went to, I had a, a job offer from Toll Brothers, a job offer from MI in Michigan, at, or I think it was Oregon, or Ohio. But David Weekly, I came out here in Colorado and they offered me a position and they put me to work up in building a Keystone Estates. So hmm. my first division, subdivision I built was Keystone Estates. I was kind of, I mean, I wasn't directly in charge of that, but at the end I was. And then I moved out to Stonegate and I started, I was builder of the year for those guys and once and then. So I'm, I'm moving forward kind of quickly. I mean, but, yeah, that's um, fine. So moving forward, I moved out to Colorado and then I went to work for Weekly. It was crazy. I remember this because the three days, I, I was like my third day and Columbine goes off. Like, oh, all of, and I was living down because they put me in an assisted living like, or a temporary living quarters. So they brought me out, paid me bank. I mean, this was back in the day when building was going batshit crazy. So it was like, wow. They even put me up for six weeks while I was getting my, you know, so it was crazy, you know, as a, as a, as a site manager and so Columbine's going down, all of a sudden you get the active shooter thing going on. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. It's like, cause back in the old days, we all had Nextels. Yeah. So that it was a Nextel empire. So, you know, that, you know, any rumor mill is like, you know, it was like, all of a sudden you hear the beep, 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 beep. 
Everybody's like, oh, yeah, it's somebody getting shot up. It's like, it was crazy. So I'm like, wow. And I just moved to Colorado. I'm like, wow, did I make a bad choice or what? <laughs> but it didn't really didn't affect me per se. And I just, I loved it out here. I mean, I love the weather. So I actually excelled. So as I was working for Weekly, it was still the boom going on. Then another company called Montero Homes, dude from Canada, great guy. He was a mid-sized builder, a regional builder here. And I went, he, he offered me a big pile of money. And I went to Weekly and said, Hey, can you match it? Like, no. And I'm like, okay, I got to go. And they're like, okay, don't let the door hit you on the end. You know how it is in our business. It's mercenary. You're only as good as your last house. You know that. In, in the production world, in the production world, it's a pretty brutal business when you're, when you're doing project management. You're, you're carrying X amount of houses and, you know, they're expecting you to like make those closings. And if you don't make those, I mean, the pressure is tremendous. I don't, have you ever worked in the production side of the house? I have not. No, I've always it's crazy. Other, other it side. burns you up quick. Yeah, sounds um, like it. <laughs> but with them, I was doing semi-custom. So I was, I was doing basic, I was carrying eight to 10 houses at once, you know, in different stages. It was nice because when you're working on a subdivision, there's usually dudes around, so you just drag them. If you need them, you, you know, hey, you grab them by the nose and you drag them. And a, a little trick that I learned when I was in the production land was dudes will always come up with like problems for you to solve. But if you wait long enough, they'll solve their own problems. <laughs> then you went, so what I would do, I, a little trick that I learned is that I would always drive my, my subdivision, see what the hell's going on at seven, you know, and then I'd go do my paperwork. And then about nine, I mean, and then they'd start, call, you know, the calls would come in. Then about nine o'clock, I would like start my walks because you can't build from your trailer. You have to get out there and actually physically go see. But that time those, those rascals had rolled out, they had done their thing. And then all their questions that they want me to answer were, you know, were pretty much by that time they figured out their own problems or if they really, really needed me, then I was there to answer them. So that was one of the tricks that I learned for production because I, I started really excelling in, in production. I was like, I was really good at, at pushing projects through. Yeah, and that's cool. it, it was it was fun, you know, and I did I worked for so then with Montero, I worked for those rascals and 9-11 happens, which was in Colorado was kind of like the that was like the early warning shot with before the all the horrible crap happened. And, you know, when we had the downturn that happened and all of a sudden things got weird. Jack, who was the owner of Montero, I mean, he basically, you know, he was the land position out in the meadows and in, in, in the Castle Rock. And he's ended up selling all you know, about he sold about. 30, 40 lots to Richmond. And pretty much that was it for my subdivision. And he put me on warranty duty because my other pro, my other buddy had a subdivision. So he had two subdivisions going on. After he sold mine, put me on warranty duty for a while. And I kind of like, and, I, and then he started having some problems and stuff. And so then I jumped ship and I went to Century Communities. <laughs> so I went, worked so that I did my multifamily time, which was kind of cool because when you're doing multifamily, you're trying to figure out what the hell is this? Is it commercial? Is it residential? It's a platypus. We don't know. We don't know. <laughs> commercial. I mean, multifamily falls into the cracks where it's like you need kind of like commercial plumbers because residential plumbers will screw it up because they got to hit those undergrounds and whatnot. But yet, and then you're cranking out. And I kind of, I actually kind of like doing townhome projects because you know you're just right there and you boom, boom, boom. You're just bang. And and, and there's a lot, you know, and when you're doing units. You just walk the units and you're, I mean, you're, you're kind of thinking of them as a building. So you're scheduling with kind of economy of scale. Yeah. Yeah. So for that sure. part I kind of enjoyed, but you know, Century at the time was kind of a crazy company and stuff. And they had gone through some transitions and somebody from Utah bottom and blah, blah, blah. So then I ended up going over, I, I ended up working for them for a while. Then I ended up working for DR Horton mm, <laughs> during the transition, <laughs> during the transition when they got bought out from, or when D actually, Horton bought out Melody. 
So I'm giving you some crazy institutional stuff now. So talk about some corporate bloodbaths on that one. That was interesting to see. Dudes being walked out to their car and shit. <laughs> I mean, if you think that the, the construction world is like a nice place to live and, and, and you're only as good as your last house on the corporate side of things, it's crazy. And they just burn you up too. Wild. And especially those kids at Melody, man. Those, I mean, when I was working for Melody, I was, I was carrying like two subdivision. I had a back-end team at the time because I was a senior guy. And, and Jesus, I was carrying like 50 units, man. That was hard. That's <laughs> you a lot. Basically how you, and you might ask me, how do I do that? You get there at six, you drive your subdivisions, and you jump out, and you get your clipboard, and you run like hell up and down the thing, and you just walk up and down the stairs, and you make notes. You get to your trailer at 11, you make all your damn phone calls, you get back out, you run it again, see what the hell didn't go on. And then you, you, you lock it all up at seven, you know, about five o'clock in the afternoon and rinse, repeat in the morning. Yeah. And do it all and over again. Only as good as your last house. Cause if you mess up a CO or something terrible happens like that, you're like ready to pack your shit and go. Yeah. That's, I was nuts. Like, that's, that's not, that really wasn't for me. And then weekly, which is kind of funny in between this call, I, I was good. For, I was kind of friends with the division president. He had actually hired me as a project manager and he became a division president. He's like, and normally when you leave, it's like the kiss of day. You're not coming back. Yeah. But they called me and they said, hey, would you want to come back? I'm like, hell yeah, I want to come back to home. I loved it. I, it was a great company. I loved working for them. It was a fantastic company. And I worked for them for another two years, built a year again for them. And then 2005 hits or 2006, somewhere in there. And the downturn starts coming. We started seeing, feeling it. but And then they started downsizing. I thought it was safe. But in the back of my mind, I started to set, I, it was much like it is today. I saw the writing on the wall, per se, knowing that, that the, the new home construction was going to start taking a massive dive. And so I started, me and my partner at the time, we, I said, hey, man, why don't we set up a company? We'll just start doing basement finish and stuff. Because I became their basement finish. Because with weekly, I'm like, dude, we're losing money not doing basement finishes. Like, you only yeah. add a week to the schedule. It's money on the table. I'm like, it's easy peasy to do <laughs> while we're doing construction. Yep. Yeah. When nobody's construction, there. Because it's just going down one step. You know, it adds about a week or two weeks to the schedule, but yet you're making X amount of dollars. They should be charging ridiculous amounts of money for that stuff. I was like pretty well, well versed with basement finish. And then of course I can, you know, exterior finish and all that stuff. So we went out and we, we started, we fought like hell for like um, five years. And then I got, I got crushed in 2010, but funny story. I, we did real well. I, you know, I probably pushed like close to I mean, I think I pushed like five or eight million dollars through accounts, you know, through the back and then that was kind of big money and stuff, too. I mean, we weren't killing it, but I mean, we did OK, but you can only fight so damn long in, in, in an economic downturn. And in, in 2009, I mean, and it's funny. Here's a funny story. Somehow I made the cover of Builder magazine. <laughs> I literally did. <laughs> I, 2009, September, you'll see my you'll see me with like a shot on the cover of Builder magazine. Crazy. It was almost like being on the cover of Sports Illustrated. I got the Joe Theismann football, you know, it's like <laughs> nine months later, my company collapsed because I mean, it, which was crazy. You know, I had great marketing, all this stuff, but it was cricket six months. People just, whew, it was done. And, you know, you, after fighting for, you know, for since basically I never saw the fun, the fun times where people were making money hand over fist. I just saw suffering and, and street yeah. fighting. Yeah. So Jeez. I was like, at that point, I had a major life event where, I just lost everything. And it was like, I'm never doing this shit again. I don't want to. Construction is a cruel, mean. She's a mean bitch when she gets there. I don't want to do it no more. (laughs) 
But I mean, I, I mean, what was I going to do? I, I so I, I ended up losing, and then also me and my first wife split the sheets, blah blah blah. So I ended up coming down to the springs. I didn't really know anybody. I just needed, I needed a change because after you know it got ugly up there, and I'm like, I gotta go. It's like, and I, I don't just went, and it took me a while to get my headspace back because for me, I'd never really failed at anything to this point. I, I'd been kind of on the special. I mean, back in the Marines, I was like in the special forces side and. You know, I did all this high speed stuff and I, I mentally, it just crushed me. I was like, oh my God, it took me several years to get my, my head back together. I had to get my shit together eventually. <laughs> Believe it or not, I worked at Home Depot at, at the uh, pro desk for a while, which I loathed. <laughs> I, I, I hated every minute of it. But it kind of got me back in the game, you know, with like, I was kind of like, all right, you know, I got to get back into doing it because this is not cutting it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, this is, and this is, I'm like, and I, and, and I don't know if you've ever worked at Home Depot, but I'm used to working with, with, you know, like big suppliers and like lumber yards and stuff like. And Home Depot is like only the, I mean, there's good deals to get there. Don't get me wrong, and it's readily available. But I was used to working with with vendors, you know. Yeah, so it was kind different, of a different, different yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, You know, and, and, and you know, you know how challenging it is to like get quarters stuff it was hard so i did that for like nine months and then i, I started getting back into it and then I, short and long with I, I went i ended up getting a job working for gj gardner for a little bit but i was subbing out i was like you know i kind of like being just a freelance you know pay me but don't hire me yep. <laughs> i'll do a project for you i'd rather work on my own i didn't mind subbing out because i'd already worked in the wild for myself mm-hmm. and working for people was always challenging i liked it so i was basically like a I mean, project by project, you know, project manager for these dudes. And then, you know, working for him was cool, but I mean, it was, it was like, and then I got a project working for uh, Steve Hood, who's here in, with Alliance Builders. And me and him became actually friends. I did several projects for him. And then I ended up working for, I ended up starting, believe it or not, I built several Prada homes in town too. I started working for, I worked for Gallant for a project and I actually did their, their, their Prada home that was out in Cathedral Pines. It was, I think it was 2016. It was a pretty good sized project, had like a little secret room and all this stuff. So I actually started working in the custom side of the house from the production. So, I mean, which wasn't a long stretch because I started out in customs. They're just, you know, they just take longer and there's a lot more, there's a hell of a lot more work that goes into them. Mm-hmm. Because they're unique, you know, you're, you're re- reinventing the wheel each day. And it's like, you're looking at prints that are, you know, of various stages of completion and, you know, got all these random people. So I thought I found the challenge pretty exciting. And then, and then I ended up working for All About Home for like three years. So I, I did, I did, I worked for them with Karen and Scott. And they're great people, enjoyed working in and. You know, and then you know when Karen passed back in uh, three, four years ago, or three years ago, I guess the company kind of went in different directions. I was like, I had my company, I was doing little side projects, and then I was like, you know, I talked to my wife because she was really getting great at. She painted furniture, so she's a furniture painter, and mm. she is, and and she is, has become a master painter, and she really can do specialty projects, and she has another unique ability. She does not work marketplace like nobody's business. So like for specs and stuff like that, she gets materials like crazy costs and stuff. So it was kind of a, and she's just really good at the design side, which I, I hate. It's like, I don't care what color it is. Just tell me what you want. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't care, I don't care. I don't care what sink. I don't care what, just give me a list and I'll make it happen. It's going to look beautiful, <laughs> but I don't want to pick colors or like now to be fair. Do I have a little bit of design flair? I do, but I don't like it. Sure. 
Fair it's enough. not really my it's not really my cup of tea. I'm like like I guess it's probably because when in production land I'd get a color sheet, and I didn't know what the hell it meant. I just like I knew what the schedule and get it going. But I was always surprised at the next person what the hell they put in when it was there because I'm just ordering. I'm like drop the tile, drop this, drop that, get it in. You know, schedule this, do that, move that guy in, and then I would say, okay, look, it matches this, that matches that, good to go. Yeah, you're just verifying that it's correct, not actually. <laughs> That's exactly. Out. What are we I trying think, to? I, I, think, I was always surprised the next person how it's going to turn out. <laughs> Same yeah. thing with, with with now that I got Lori, she's the one who gets the colors and all that stuff. So I'm like, thank God, because that is not that is the area of the business that I loathe the most, and the next part of the business that I loathe the most, marketing. I loathe marketing. <laughs> I know it's a necessary evil, obviously. I can only wear so many hats, and it's like that's one hat I, for whatever reason. I, it's I struggle. <laughs> to eat the frog on that one i really do yeah and, that's fair and, and, and the, I, just, I realize that it's not a strength of mine so i need to figure out how to i mean selling and stuff is okay but i really enjoy the execution part of it i think i think that's what i for me it gives a fulfillment is taking a piece of dirt and then raising it out of the ground and then building a house and then usually trying to make somebody happy if you, if you can yeah yeah Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, really since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, We've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems. And I recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book. And that book is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. And you can pick up a copy by going to the website, remodelermarketingblueprint.com. You can also search for it on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. But I highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodelermarketingblueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. What does the business look like today? You know, what kinds of projects are you guys doing? And, you know, how does that work with your partner? Here's an interesting... So after I got... When when we kind of went full-time on our own, we did a big, big, giant restoration project. And I had some of the toughest... Now, they're great people. But we had... I mean, this was during COVID and stuff. And I had a paint job. Painters go south on me. Where this house had a lot of detail... I mean, it was a $2 million house. You had a lot of detailed custom wood and stuff. And... I had a production guy go in there and whatever. I mean, it was just during that COVID, weird COVID time where things were getting, and I'm like, tell him, man, we need top, top gun here. Whatever happened, there was an improper procedure on the, on the wood. So I, it took me, they, I fired them off the job three days. I mean, cause you know, you go in there, you smell lacquer. I mean, you're out of there. You're not going to hang out. But over the course of the week and I come back and I'm like, what the hell did it went south and, and I'm getting burned pretty good, but we ended up turning around by working our asses off and, and making it right. And Lori, my wife actually learned how to like, she ended up figuring out how to like, she's probably one of the best painters in, in Colorado. I, I'm not joking or bragging. We had multiple painters come into this multi-million dollar home trying to salvage the paint job because these guys had just botched it completely. On MDF, they, they did an improper procedure where we had to sand it back down and 
It was horrible. And it was getting, my wife was the only one that could figure out how to paint the turrets. It was this big round turret column. And these people were picky. I mean, I mean, it was soul crushing to the point where it's like, after I got done with that project, I did another, I was doing like RV garages and stuff like that. I can build anything. I mean, and, and what's interesting about me is I'm more of a, I'm kind of more of a developer than an end builder now, I, I guess, because I work a lot with the local architects, but I know how to get through the engineering system of it. <laughs> usually, I, and so usually you take it from them, but I can, you know, they give me their design drawings and I just learned how to like push it through the design portion. So I'm pretty good at the design build portion of itself. I don't draw and I can do pretty pictures if I need to. It just takes me longer. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not as fast at drawing if I need to. And to be fair, I don't really, I don't like it as much, but I don't dislike it. Yeah. I'm not an architect. I'm a builder by trade. Yeah. <laughs> I, can yeah. Draw, I can draw as necessary to get things to the building department through. Okay. That being said, and to answer your question, this was the rabbit trail. We can, I, I was building, you know, we, and I, I've taken on a couple, I don't really enjoy doing kitchens because people have a five week expiration on this. If it's, I mean, once you tear somebody's kitchen up, you damn sure better have your cabinets and all that stuff put to, ready to go because they love you. I mean, they like you the day they sign the contract and they hate you the rest of the way. And then maybe if you're lucky at the end of the project and you get it done and they're happy, they're happy, they're happy with you. But one of the things that in the last 27 years that I've found is that this job is harder than it used to be. It's not, <laughs> yeah. it's, you would think that, and, and I'm damn good at what I do, but the project has become harder because there's, and then there's, I've thought this through, there's multiple reasons. DYI, number one, it's been, I mean, saying, you know, for whatever reason, people have this weird, unrealistic expectation that we're going to solve a problem in a half an hour. And it's not going to happen. And the fact that we can give you anything you want in the world anymore, that makes it challenging because when I first started the business, I mean, we had, we had pagers and bag phones and, <laughs> and you could get things and, and, but they, you know, you had a couple choices. It wasn't like, okay, I found this, you know, throughout the internet and we build it. Yeah. You had 10 options, not 10,000 options. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And another thing that I've noticed is this, our trade base is definitely, definitely degenerated from what it used to be, period. I mean, I, you just don't have the old school journeymen. I mean, you do, you got guys that are competent. Give me, don't get me wrong. But it's just a different mentality than what it was. It's a lot of more babysitting. I love my vendors and stuff, but I mean, it's a really a lot, it's a lot of work. Yeah. I mean, there's no fire and forget anymore, <laughs> which is sad because I mean, if, I hire, if I'm hiring a competent trade to do the job, I want them to do the job, I mean, with minimal supervision, but that's one of the things that, so to answer your question, I've kind of steered, I'm starting to move towards private investment and just like, I would like to, I, I would like to really just work with, you know, some investors or private cap and just say, Hey, we're going to go take down projects and we're going to turn them out and, and that's it. But right now I've opened my book up because to, to, to roundabout question, interest rates are going to kill us. <laughs> That's the yeah. sad thing. It's going to destroy the new home. It's going to destroy home builders. I, I continue to see that their interest rates are going to continue to rise. What's happening is that people are being priced out of the market. So then what cause and effect, because we, 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 we started last year doing some flips with some clients and stuff. And then we kind of used the model. I don't know if you've seen that. So that one, that one show where the girls come in and they say, you know, here's what the cost of your house is. You know, we're putting on X amount of dollars, split the profit kind of thing. Mm-hmm. We did one of those. And it actually worked out well, except my re- the realtor that we were using went off reservation and it kind of got, got nasty. Hence, I was like, no more. I will cut out the middleman. 
Yep. <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't, all I needed was to order take, you know, there's no, other than that, I have it from here. Because, I mean, I think like a builder, which realtors, on the other hand, when they, when they do assessments, they're going to get cost assessments from what's around, but they don't do costing like I do on a daily basis. So yeah. I've been using the cost method to like tell them, and I'm like, listen, this house is going to be valued at X. And they fought me tooth and nail on it. We got X for it because we staged it right. Because I know how to, I think like a builder, I stage like a builder. I can retool a new home. Like, like if, if I take a, a, a flip, I can turn it into a little model because that's, I built multiple models. I get it. I know how to do it. There's so many houses now that are dated that, that just absolutely need our help in that aspect. And yeah. the sad thing is, is that, I do think that people pay overpay the hell of a lot of money for a lot of these houses. And they're gonna and now they have these houses. Well, what are they gonna do with them? And I, I don't know. They got to remodel them. Yeah. I, that's I, so. That's kind of what happened during the last economic downturn when the builders kind of died on the vine. Then the remodeling picked up, and then actually remodeling went flat. Probably about two years into the whole recession. And I'm talking about that period between 2006 and 2010 ish, mm-hmm. where yeah. it started kind of leveling yeah. out. Super interesting to get like the timeline of like going through different cycles and everything. I feel like there's a lot of lessons learned in there. I guess I'm curious, like what you see happening over the next like 12 to 36 months, you know, just based on what you've seen in the past and like interest rates going up, like any predictions? Here's what I think. The only way I ever learned is I made mistakes. A lot of them. Thank God I never made any like huge mistakes. <laughs> I didn't make one mistake one time that I was like, I thought I was going to get fired over, but my, I fessed up. It's like, I made a mistake on this. You know, I, I screwed up and they're like, don't do it again. But I tell you what, I, I, I learned that day to never, ever make that mistake. You know, it was, it was when I was changing some elevations on some, on some foundations, I just made a bad call. <laughs> and so <Uh-oh. laughs> that's the kind of lesson that you learn, you know, it's like, oh, and Throughout the process, I was I was learning like you know little lead. A lot of what I did as a project manager was learn leader, which was funny because from the military I had a lot of leadership experience to begin with. But what I did was I, I boiled it down as like I put men and equipment where they need to be, and I supervise and make sure they do what they got to do. And that's what I do as a GC. Now, I mean, people ask me, do you bang nails? No, because I can. I'm only so many people, and I, my knowledge now is like I can. I need to spread it around a little bit because. What we do and what I do are, or as it, there's a lot of moving parts to it. I don't, I don't really think that people understand how much planning goes into actually executing a proper project because the more we have to plan on paper, the less we bleed out in the field. And, and that's what I, I kind of try. Now, what I see happening in the next 36 months, and, and I'm going to only use our local market because residential real estate is very local. I'll give you my, I, I guess, I think what's going to happen is when to start seeing projects draw. I, I think, I mean, it's a big boat and it's hard to turn. So you don't just, it's not just going to crash over, you know, but I see in the next six months, projects are going to get put on hold. Definitely. Especially the higher end projects, but we still have a massive housing shortage here in Colorado Springs. I mean, my stepson, he's, we just put a, helped him getting into a little apartment, 600 square feet, he's paying 1200 bucks a month. I mean, that's wow. insane. Yeah. That's insane. That's just the nature of the beast right now. I mean, so with gas inputs, I wish I could be more positive about things and say, I think it's going to keep going gangbusters, but I, I believe new construction is going to take a hell of a bath beating right now. And it's going to happen within the next six, six to nine months. Projects that we thought we had are going to be put on. I was just case in point where I was just working on, on a project that taken me a year to get ready to go. And 
since interest rates have raised so dramatically, I mean, the project's got to be put on hold. You know, I, I see a lot of that going to happen. Now, I do see remodeling. People, since they can't move or, or move up to the next house, they need space. There's going to be remodeling. I, off to the residential side of things, because I do dabble in commercial sometimes, I do think commercial real estate is going to get monkey hammered big time. And, and the reason is because people are going to home office. Yep. No reason with Zoom meetings and stuff like that. The business, I mean, you might might as well be in my next door. Yeah, I might as well be. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like if we're going to collaborate stuff, we might with with Zoom and stuff, you, you can pretty much and I've and I've actually really kind of turned Zoom meetings to, to working with clients. It makes it a hell of a lot easier to get them in the same place and I can work on my computer because I use Bluebeam a lot on my I don't know if you you know what Bluebeam is, create mm-hmm. a program out there. It's a PDF manipulator that's actually for the construction industry. It just makes it so easy. So I can do Zoom meetings and like do details on the screen. And, and that's another thing that I've learned too is, is to really document everything on my blueprints. It makes it so much easier. And especially with PDF manipulation, it just pictures are worth a thousand words. And it's so much easier to communicate to clients and to people when you when you say, okay, remember this, your bedroom X here. And, you know, this is what we're doing and draw little notes. And, and it's like, when it goes south on you, you refer back to the notes that you have on your damn print. And that was one thing that I learned when I was in production land was always build to the print. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do that. You're, you're not going to get yourself in trouble. So yeah, with the military bases and all the other stuff we got here, I think I, we're going to be okay. But real estate itself, even in downturns, there's opportunity. And from our company, from me, I'm going to probably, probably I'll work. Probably some remodeling, large-scale remodeling projects. Or I like the more complicated ones, that like like additions and stuff like that, just because they take a little bit more time and effort, and they're, they're kind of just more fun to do. I guess I kind of got in the point, my point in my career where I feel like I can kind of almost pick and choose the projects I want to do. And I hate to say this like this, but I interview my clients really hard. <laughs> I, I date for a long time because I liken the whole experience of, of remodeling or building with for clients. And I joke with this, but I don't. It's not a joke. It, it, it's kind of the truth. I say, all right, we're dating. That's when you're, you're, you're first meeting with the clients and saying, if you want to work with them, they want to work with you. You sign your contract, you get married, you're lovely. And then we, we try, hopefully, get through a successful marriage. And then we go through our separation. <laughs> then we finally get our divorce a year later. <laughs> and that's and hopefully yeah. it's a, it, hopefully it's an amicable divorce where that you're you're like a like a treasured ex-wife that you like but yet you move on and that's kind of the, yep. the cycle and, and truthfully there is just so much psychology that goes through home building it's crazy especially the remodeling side it's not so much in the new construction side except when clients are there all the time and or they live in town but when you got somebody living in the damn house it's horrible <laughs> <laughs> it makes it, it more challenging for sure. I mean, there's yeah. just, just so many things that could go wrong. Like just and then you know, you, and it's so disruptive for the clients because right now it's funny. A shoemaker's shoes. I'm going through remodeling my own house right now. So I started in the basement, and this is like the third time I remodeled. <laughs> but this time it's the last, I swear. <laughs> so we're going from top up, and I, I and the house is torn. It's funny. I have a hole in my wall, right, in the, like right at fist level, which I did. I swear I did. I was looking in the wall to see what the hell was in the chase. So every, the, 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 my stepson's coming. Go, what's going on? I'm like, I, I'm like, I'm teasing. I'm like, I got a hammer because I'm only five eight. So 
I bought my head right, it's like right at that level. But so there's 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 holes in it. our refrigerator's in the front room right now because I'm I'm yeah. so my yeah. wife was in less than so I have such empathy for my clients. I really do because yeah. I'm like I, I want to fire myself right now. <laughs> I know it's uh, well. Well, Eric, I, we're running near the end of our time here, and I wanna I wanna get like. I always like to end with just like, do you have one piece of advice for other people in the industry that are running their own businesses? Like you, you've gone through a lot. You've seen it from all the different angles, which I think is super unique. But if you kind of had to just leave us with one, one piece of advice or some final words of wisdom, what would it be? I I don't know how wise it'll be because construction is just a challenging business. It just takes a lot. It takes focus. It takes a lot of knowledge and and, and learning. Especially as a general, I don't know if it's as as challenging as like if you're a deck builder or a specialist, but it just takes, you just have to have a lot of focus. It takes a lot of attention to detail. You have to have a passion for it because if you don't, it, the hours and, and the time and, and energy. And I, I think that's kind of the hardest thing for me in the last several years was just the getting my, my passion and stuff. And I have it back a little bit, but it just was, I mean, after so many times, after the COVID thing and everything and everything kind of went down. It's just been a challenge. And I wish I had better words of like encouragement to give it to guy. Guys, like right now it's time to hook the horns, cut your overhead as best you can, and really sharpen your tools out there and look. It's not going to be as eat, shooting fish in the barrel like it was. It was we were gonna have to be competitive and, and, and think outside the box. And I believe that we're, I think as the best advice would be is we have to build efficiently as best we can. <laughs> and I know that sounds crazy because we can't even set schedules anymore. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's I mean, I think it's good advice because you always have to be striving to be competitive and striving to be sharp and you know, if you want to be competitive over a long time horizon then you got to stick to the the basics, you know. So Yeah, well, most sloppy. importantly, you have to perform. Here's my giveaway. If it's not right, you make it right. That's it. I mean, if you wouldn't want it at your house, don't do it at somebody else's. But, but conversely, we got to give the client what they're paying for as well. Setting expectations at the very beginning and setting expectations throughout the process and making sure that you document things. Those are the those are the keys to being successful and trying to stay out of court or being or being sued or, or or bad feelings and stuff like that. It's it's just really, you know, communication is something. I mean, just really writing things down and, and communicating with your client and doing the right thing. I guess that's the bottom line is always do the right thing. I love it. Yeah, that's that's actually one of our one of our core values on the card. Do the right thing. So I think that was well said. Good way to to end us off here. And now that wasn't. And then by the way, that wasn't a collaboration. Yeah, no script there. Yeah, Eric, thanks so much for sharing your story. I really enjoyed it. Well, I I hope that helps, and I hope out there in in, in land. Hey, we're still open for business, so come on down. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Thanks, Eric. All right. Hey, thanks. Take it easy. Thanks for tuning in to Remodeler Stories. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every month we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Just leave a review over on iTunes to enter to win. See you next time.